Let's open God's Word again as we turn to John chapter 10, uh, found on page 1080 of the Pew Bibles. This passage speaks of God as our shepherd. And we started this service considering several of the names of God. But surely God as our shepherd is a picture which has been a source of great comfort and blessing and help to each one of us. So let's read John chapter 10 from verse 1 to verse 21, praying that our love for the great shepherd would grow as we study this passage tonight. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He is a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Thank you, John, and thank you for leading us in our worship so far. 
This past week has been a busy one uh, for most of us. We've focused on Christmas, Christmas presents, Christmas food, Christmas families, and parties. And for some people in this week, there has been less and less talk and thought of the birth of Christ at this time. And this evening, I'd like us to think of Christ. Not as Christ the baby, as he was at Christmas, but as the one who loves and cares for his people. What a comfort always to remember this. What glory there is to someone who's coming for the first time. How are we to think of Christ? In the Bible, of course, there are many, many ways offered. But I'd like us this evening to focus on a verse from John chapter 10, which has just been read. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. It does seem rather humiliating that the Bible repeatedly describes us as sheep. But there's nothing embarrassing in its statements about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's very true, friends, that in that land of flocks, this was a compelling metaphor. One of the best known, best used pictures of Jesus in and outside the Bible. Jesus as the shepherd. The uh, ancient Latin of the word of, the, of a shepherd was pastor. And that's why that word has come into church practice. And I want us to think of Jesus, the shepherd, the good shepherd, and to see perhaps at least three, four lessons from this portrait. Four lessons from this portrait. I am the good Shepherd, he says. I think in the first place, it points out to us our need for the good shepherd. Our need for the good shepherd. Sheep are very vulnerable animals. Especially in first century Palestine where that was an extremely common situation for them. They need a shepherd. They need a shepherd to lead them. They need a shepherd to water them and feed them. They need, to sh they need a shepherd to provide protection for them from those animals which sought their destruction. 
For a sheep not to have a shepherd was really the ultimate catastrophe. They don't have a shepherd. They will die horribly. We see it, for example, in Matthew 9.36, where we read of human beings who are in a bad position. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless. How could I, what illustration could I think of to describe something harassed and helpless? Ah, sheep without a shepherd. We get it, for example, in the Old Testament. In the book of Ezekiel, chapters, chapter 24, verses 5 and 6, hear what the prophet says. They were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts scattered with none to search or seek for them. No shepherd. And the result was desperate loss, pain and death. More than anything else, sheep need a good shepherd. Now, of course, if you start studying this through modern Western cities, you will find that the idea of the, of the cities, of the surroundings of the sheep and the shepherds are very sentimental. The sheep were described as cute, cuddling little lambs. And the shepherd looks after them and everybody's very happy. There was one man and his dog. Do you remember that? The older ones remember it. It was a very popular TV series. It ran for almost 45 years on British television. One man and his dog. We loved looking at it and thinking about it. A warm, warm, easy presentation. But in reality, in reality, the work is tiring and tough and dirty and dangerous. And so the shepherd must be strong and courageous. He must be dedicated. He must be wise. The word is often used in the Old Testament of the kings of Israel. They provided for their people. They were the shepherds of their people. They kept away their enemies. They saw that they had food. They looked after them at every moment. Occasionally, it's used of religious leaders in the Old Testament. They also were looking after in great anxiety and great love and care the needs of their people. The shepherd was a directive feeder figure. It was a dominating figure. All were under his authority. 
The shepherd looked after his people. They needed him. They needed him. That sort of talking isn't popular today. Our culture scoffs at guidance by others. Our culture rebels against the idea of superior authority that we have to bow down before and obey. I'm speaking about foul, awful authority. The result is the mess we see in the world around us. But friends, the fact is that we do need a good shepherd. We do need a good shepherd. And I think in, in Scripture there are three chief ideas about the shepherd and why we need him. We need him to guide us. By what principles are we planning to live? The shepherd will guide us. What standards do we obey? What goals are we aiming at? Our shepherd will guide us and lead us. Lacking this leads to confusion and cruelty. We need a good shepherd to guide us. Secondly, we need a good shepherd to feed us. We all have needs. We all have hungers. How satisfied are we? Or are we satisfied in a fake, evil, damaging sense? How many people are truly satisfied? How many simply think they're satisfied until time acts and they find the awful situation they are in. We need the shepherd to feed us and thirdly, we need the shepherd to protect us. To protect us against the troubles of life. Against others. Against ourselves. How vulnerable people are. How deluded. How foolish. They are without their shepherd. In the 1930s and 40s, which I do not really remember, popular films, a series of popular films was produced and they had the title Whistling in the dark and it was all meant to be a comedy but there's a truth about it if we do not have a good shepherd we are whistling in the dark in a pathetic poor confused way we don't know who we are or where we're going or what will come to us what's it like without a sheep the shepherd 
the sheep without. That's our need for him. Secondly, I look at it briefly, there are counterfeits of the good shepherd, unfortunately. There are counterfeits of the good shepherd. It's interesting to note the context of this whole passage here. I'll not take uh, us to go through it now in, in detail, taking time, but there are no connecting words at the beginning of verse 1 of chapter 10. It takes us straight on from chapter 9. You get this man who's blind from birth. He is persecuted by his shepherds, the Pharisees. He has no interest in going for Jesus. There's no love, there's no mercy, there's no thankfulness for what happens to him. He's bullied. He's reviled. Verse 34, he's cast him out. He's excommunicated. And Jesus is asked at the end of chapter 9, he asks the leaders, says to the leaders, your guilt remains. And then straight into chapter 10, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. In other words, it takes us into false, illegitimate shepherds who have no right to the sheep they claim and the sheep they hurt. They're only in it for themselves. They're not prepared to risk anything for the sheep whom they promised to care for. Verses 12 and 13. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. These are the men who seek to rule over others. To be our shepherds, our guides, our directors. To tell us where to go and what to do. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for sheep. Ezekiel puts us this way in chapter 34, verse 8 following. Because the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep because I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand. That's what the Lord says of these false, wicked shepherds. The shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. I am against the shepherds. 
and I will require the sheep at my hand. And friends, the world we live in is just, <clears throat> is just very like the people of Jesus' time. We are surrounded by false shepherds, people, ideas, promises that pretend, that offer, that insist. They say they're going to guide us and keep us happy and watch over us so that we will be safe. And all these are lies. Haven't we seen it very recently in the politicians in our nation? From all the parties and their different suggestions and their different pieces of advice and their different strugglings. Don't we see it often in the religious leaders of our day? And as we listen to them, all too often our hearts are filled with true sadness. We see it in the materialism of our world. Of the materialism into which our young people are trained. So that when Christmas comes, they're oozing with greed. Wanting the big, big gifts. And it's horrible. And it's not what they as our children should be like, or as children of God's people should ever be like. We see it in pleasure. These counterfeits. The thief comes, verse 10, only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Friends, it's said sometimes that to have no shepherd was the ultimate tragedy. I'm not sure. Perhaps worse to be following a false shepherd. Perhaps worse than having no one to having someone false where you imagine that you're safe. Can I ask you this evening, all of you here, particularly our young people, who do you follow? What do you follow in your life? Who do you think is important? What do you listen to? Is it your friends? Or is it your parents? I know where the wisdom comes from. What voices do you recognize? Where do you go for shelter? If there's any voice that doesn't draw people towards God, that is the voice of a false shepherd and it is great danger well then thirdly 
the identity of a good shepherd. The identity of a good shepherd. In the Old Testament, God was the shepherd of his people. They knew that. They believed that. They lived by it. As he was dying, Jacob said, The God who has been my shepherd all my life long. Genesis forty-eight fifteen. The God who has been my shepherd all my life long. Would we all be able to say that? We could sing from Psalm 80, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, the shepherd who cares for us. And more than that in the Old Testament, and it's fascinating, you get the promise of a special shepherd, a unique shepherd who's going to come. God's answer to all the false shepherds. I'm giving Ezekiel a lot of value uh, this evening, but he's a very uh, useful man to look at. Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 22 to 24. The speaker is God. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. David has been dead for a long, long time. And yet God says to his people, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. The David who died is coming again. And he's going to come, God says, as the one shepherd. And friends, for this David, the people of Israel waited, waited over many, many centuries. And now in this gospel, we see him identified. Among other places, identified here in the fourth of the seven I am's. The third I am is verse nine. I am the door. And then here we come. I am the good shepherd. And the speaker is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David, the fulfillment of the prophecy, longing, answering the longings of the people. He has come to care for the people of God. Jesus has. He's come to guide them. He's come to feed them. He's come to protect them. He stands clear and bright on the stage of history. This is who I am, he says. I am the shepherd whom God has sent. And note how it says, the shepherd. 
And that occurs twice in the Greek. The only shepherd, the only shepherd, no other shepherds. This is controversial, but it's true. And then he adds another Greek word, the good shepherd. And the word which he uses there is kalos. And friends, that means not only morally good, but noble, worthy, beautiful. He draws out the trust and the love of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And as we look at him, we see how beautiful he is. How glorious by God's blessing. Friends, do you see, do you know the good shepherd? Do you know the one who will guide you and feed you and protect you? Have you come to him? Have you submitted to the authority of the good shepherd? J.C. Ryle comments, It will profit us nothing at the last day that Jesus was the shepherd if during our lifetime we never heard his voice or followed him. The shepherd, his identity. And then lastly, I'd like us to look for a few moments at the qualifications of the Good Shepherd. The qualifications of the Good Shepherd. What are the leading marks of the Good Shepherd? Now, quite unusually, unusually, Jesus makes the one I am statement twice, each time with an additional phrase. Let me repeat that. Unusually, Jesus makes the I am statement twice, each time with an additional phrase. First of all, verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Friends, this is a great contrast to the hired hand who sees the wolf coming and flees. Verse 12. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The true shepherd will stay and fight for the sheep at the risk of his own life. You can compare it actually in the life of David himself. 1 Samuel 17, 34 following. As he fights with the lions and the bears. He risks his life. He risks his life for the sheep. And this shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He didn't want to, as it were, but he's ready to die. 
deliberately, willingly coming to die on behalf of the sheep. The cross is no tragedy. The cross is no accident. Look at the repeated emphasis. Verse 15. I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17. I lay down my life. Verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Over and over again, he says, I lay down my life. This is surprising. This is the king. This is the leader. This is the great, strong, mighty man. And what does this man do? He becomes weak and he dies. And the shepherd is the lamb of the sacrifice. Friends, it's vital to understand that. Yes, Christ does guide us. He feeds us. He protects us. But there's something before that. And there's something above that. He is our Savior from sin and death. You remember John 1.29. The Lamb of God. The sin of the world. Here we have it in verse 10. I came that they might may have life. And have it abundantly. But this is only possible as the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The Christian life begins at Calvary. And friends, if you or I are to belong to the good shepherd, here is the starting place. Trusting in the one who died for sinners. He's the good shepherd because he alone died on behalf of his people. But friends, there's one other qualification. I said there were two. Verse 14. I know my own and my own know me. Scholars tell us that this points us clearly to the eastern shepherd and his knowledge of his sheep. In verse 3, it's put this way. He calls his own sheep by name. Jesus knows by name every single one of those for whom he died and whom he intends to save. He knows every single one of us by name. He knows our names. Every one of those whom he intends to save. If this person's a believer, he knows our characteristics. He knows our peculiarities. He knows our past with its hurt and its failures. 
He knows our present with its challenges, with its unrealized longings. He knows our future with its responsibilities and its uncertainties. He here is the best of shepherds. He knows all his sheep. He knows every one of them. He knows us personally. He knows us well. He loves us. We all want to be known. We all want to be know, to know. And here is the most intimate of all relationships with someone who is infinitely callous, good, and beautiful, and loving. I say to you, as I say to myself, we can safely trust and follow this, our Lord. I know my sheep. He knows us before we know him. Verse 16, as we read, he says, I have other sheep. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. I wonder, is this why God has brought you here tonight? And again, please don't get annoyed with me, young people. I'm saying it because I was in your position once and I needed to have it said to me so that I could hear it and know what God was saying. Do you love God? Are you trusting God? Do you want to be delivered from all your sins and go to heaven and to be with Jesus Christ forever? Is this why God has brought you here this evening? Commit yourself to Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, and follow him. And many of you will have heard the story about the event taking place, we're told, round about 1900, where a very famous actor was visiting a home uh, wealthy people and uh, he was asked if he would recite something because they'd all heard about him and he was they'd gone to the different places where he acted and very slowly and powerfully and touchingly he recited the 23rd psalm and as soon as he finished everybody clapped and clapped and clapped and then the man whose house it was looked over at a little old lady sitting in her own at one corner and he said, would you say that, those words? And she said it quietly. And when she finished, there was no clapping. Everybody was crying. For the words were real. And the great famous actor, after a moment, 
leaned over to her, he said, Madam, I know the psalm, but you know the shepherd. I know the psalm, but you know the shepherd. Can we each say that? I know the shepherd. That's by the grace of God. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a brief prayer. Dear Father in heaven, how we thank you for your patience. As we're working at things and talking them over, and we feel that they're too much for us, and we feel we're just stumbling. But Lord, we feel there is truth there. Oh Lord, how we thank you for our blessed Lord Jesus and for all that he means to us. And Father, we pray this evening for the people we know and love, particularly, O oh God, for our children and friends and those who do not yet know Christ as their Savior. And we pray that you, by your grace, will bring them to know and love him. Watch over us in this we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.